Well, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to Vast Church. So glad that you are with us today. Let's make some noise wherever you're at in this place. Come on. Come on. Let's get excited. You're at Vast Church, baby. Vast life, best life. Come on. You know how it goes. So my name is Pastor Brenton Johnson, and I'm the lead pastor here at a church called Vast Church. And so today we're recording uh, this message from one of our studios in downtown Gloversville. And I'd like to welcome everybody here. We are so thankful for you to come and, and give us the opportunity to spend your Sunday with you. And uh, we are just so thankful that you chose to be here with us today. We want to make you feel right at home. And so today we're starting a new teaching series called Broken Escalators. And we're talking about the myths of promotion and happiness. So obviously this teaching is based off of a book by one of my influencers named Peter Haas. And if you don't have the book, I would recommend to go get it because it's so good. And he calls it a humor book, but it's more of just a life book. And it's all about what happiness and promotability is all about. So if you want to go 10 times deeper and laugh a lot, You've got to make sure that you pick up this book. But, but the thesis of this teaching series is, is, is to ask the question, what creates happiness? What creates happiness? Or, or more specifically, what are some of the myths of promotion and happiness? And sometimes in life, it feels like we're on a, 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 a broken escalator. And, and sometimes while, 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 while we're sitting at the bottom of the escalator, everybody else seems to be zooming up to the top, all the way up to their dreams. So, so my question for you today, church, is, is how do we accelerate our dreams? How do we stay happy even when we have to wait? Over the, fa- the past two decades, there's been a lot of research on this topic about, about what creates happiness. Well, is it money? Well, research says no, it's not money. In fact, it, it, it's, it's the ironically true, right? right? Research shows that, that wealthy people tend to be more angry and anxious than the general population. Did you know that? Isn't that crazy? Like you'd think, oh, well, you got money. You can solve anything with money. No, no, no. Actually, it brings more anger and anxiety in those types of people. So, so how about a uh, 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 geographical uh, location? Are people with, with palm Palm trees more happier than the rest of us, right? I know we're getting out of winter finally, but, you know, all winter I was going on to Florida. But actually, guess what? Research, once again, says, no, it's not. People down in Florida are not happier than people up here. How about, how about marital status, right? Or, or, or good looks? Or, or how about good, being good looking and married, right? That's, that's a double whammy. Guess what? No. Research shows, no, it's not. In fact, get this. Circumstantial things like, like money, Jobs, geography, marriage, they only affect uh, uh, your happiness by a variance of 10%. 10%! 10%! Isn't that outrageous? And yet, yet for many of us, like this is this is all that we pray for. This is all that we ask for. This is all that, oh God, oh God, send me the send me all the money that we need. Oh God, send me the right job. Oh Lord, I just want to move. I got to get out of this place. This place is terrible. Or, or God, my spouse is, my spouse sucks, right? My husband sucks. How many of y'all husbands suck out there? Don't raise your hand. Don't say that. Be nice to your husband. Anyways, right? But this only affects it by 10%. 
And, and this is all that we pray for, right? Our, our prayer lives, they, they're dominated by these, these prayers, and we want circumstantial things to change our life. But this is not what changes our life. So, so by the end of this teaching series, I want to completely turn your prayer life upside down. That's my goal for you in this series. In fact, by, by, by the end, I'm going to show you that, that your prayers actually reveal your promotability. I want to completely reorient how you approach happiness and promotion. And today we're going to do this by studying a man in the Bible uh, in the book of Genesis uh, named Abraham. So if you don't know who Abraham, you ever seen that song, if you ever went to church when you were a kid, Father Abraham had many sons, how many sons had Father Abraham, I am one of them. Come on, and so were you. So let's just praise the Lord, right arm. And then you do all these crazy hand motions. But anyways, we're going to learn about Father Abraham. Abraham from the book of Genesis. So God made a decision that, that he was going to save the entire world through the, his family line. And ultimately, that's what God did. Abraham gave birth to a nation called Israel. This was a promise that, that, that became fulfilled in Christ. But, but before we read about, about Abraham, I want to share one more bizarre stat that will, I think, tweak. It's going to tweak. Your mind, all right? It's going to tweak your mind. So all throughout the 50s and the 60s, there is a lot of research showing that happiness comes from having a sense uh, of, of control over your life. Well, when people feel like they're in control of their lives, their finances, their health, etc., okay, they are significantly more uh, likely to be happy. Happy, right? So when they have control over all these things, they feel like they can be happy and even live longer. Not surprisingly, this research right, has given birth to the self-help movement because people want to have control over their lives. Y'all like having some control? Oh, y'all a bunch of control freaks out there. But, but not surprisingly, right? right? This, this is why there are thousands of books designed and, and to help us get control of our lives over our health, over our schedule, over our kids, over our physical bodies. And we buy these books in bulk, right? We eat them up. We eat, and you're probably going to go buy this book because you want to learn, oh, man, how am I going to control my life? How am I going to do that? Pastor just told me to pick this book up. This book's going to change my life. I'm going to pick it up. Well, yeah, you should pick it up. But we don't need to have control. But anyways, I'm going to tell you a little story. So one day, Lisa and I, we, when we were dating, right, right, I was a sketchy young lad. Are you guys sketchy? Better not be sketchy. I was a sketchy young dude, and I had, I, I had this sick, I had this sick, I mean, it was awesome, it was amazing, I had the coolest whip, y'all ready for it, I had a Kia minivan, how many of y'all know young dudes driving around Kia minivans, that's what's up, right, that's pretty sweet, yo, I, I felt like I was awesome. But anyways, well, Lisa and I, when we were dating, I had this Kia minivan that I got from my mom. She blessed me with it. Highly favored, highly blessed. Thank you, mom, for blessing me with that van. I'm appreciative of it. Anyway, so we were driving around this dope vehicle, all right? And we were driving around, I, I, I think, after we got some Wegman subs. Anyone, anybody in this place ever have some Wegman subs? I love me some Wegman subs. If you've never had Wegman subs, you go down to Binghamton. I don't think you can get Wegmans up in the capital region. It's probably my only thing that I'm sad about up here is that we got no Wegman subs. Hallelujah, we got Chick-fil-A coming. We ain't got no Wegman subs coming in. But but so we just got some Wegman subs. And if you know, uh, if you know 
Well, Wegman subs is, right? You know that. It's some good stuff. So I probably was hyped off off the, off the Wegman subs. Like, I was so stoked up. Like, oh, man, we got some Wegman subs. I got a girl in my car. I'm driving around in my minivan. I probably was playing some music real loud. I was like, cruising in my minivan. Y'all, I was so cool. No, I wasn't cool. Anyways, so, right, I was driving around. I was probably being stupid, and we were going around the Cloverleaf uh, uh, interchange. You know what a Cloverleaf interchange? It looks literally looks like a Cloverleaf where you can get on and off. On and off, you keep going around if you wanted to, and just keep spinning around. But so we were hitting this interchange, and I probably was cruising, cruising. And this is when we had some ice. Y'all know about some ice, right? It wasn't good what happened. So we were cruising, and all of a sudden, right, we were spinning around in my minivan, screaming. Subs were going everywhere, and it wasn't good. In that moment, I didn't have control. It was scary. How many of y'all know it's scary? Not having control. And, and, and I went from being Mr. Cool, yeah, rolling. Mo Bamba wasn't even out yet, but in my brain, I was singing Mo Bamba in, in, in the car. Rolling. Just screaming like a little girl in 0.5 seconds. So I was like, oh, yeah, I'm cool. I got my girl. Ah! Right? I lost control. It's scary. When we lose control, everything in the world, you could be going from macho man to little girl in 0.5 seconds, right? And you all freak out when you don't have control. Does anybody else struggle with this, or is it just me, or am I crazy, right? Am I crazy? I don't think so. I think that we all struggle when we lose control. Control is connected to happiness, which, which is why we spend millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars a year on books to help us get control of all these things in our life, our weight, our kids, our health. But this is where things get really interesting, right? Because research shows us that control is an illusion. If you're taking notes today, you can write this down because that's already a good one. Are you ready for this? Control is an illusion, right? So for, for example, humans begin falsely thinking that they can control far more than they actually do. Some of y'all sitting there like this. Everything I know is a lie. Everything I know is a lie. Humans really can't control much. And, and if we roll a pair of, pair of dice from our hands, right, or, or you know what, you shouldn't be playing dice. My grandma knew I was talking about playing dice in church. She'd freak out. But if we roll a pair of dice from our hands, we generally believe that, that our luck increases, even though mathematically it's absurd. In fact, the reason why the lottery tickets uh, tickets want people to choose their own numbers is and, and probably play a game is because, because they feel like their odds increase when they have a sense of control. Thus, you end up spending more money on the game. In fact, there are entire industries that sell us an illusion of control, like insurance agencies and security systems. We pay for all sorts of things that make us feel more secure and more strategic and more in control, right? And the reason is that, that, that this is so dangerous is because research shows that when people are given a, a sense of control, right, they're the ones who lose it. Even like, even what they're like way, way worse off than before. When they, when they're given a sense of control and then they lose it, they end up being way worse than they were before. And for many preachers, right, we, they give us, we give out overly simplistic formulas for healing and finances and, oh, if you just 
give us your money. We're going to send you a, 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 a prayer hanky that's been, been dipped in holy water, and then all your problems are going to go away, right? But, but these people that can get involved in this stuff, they get double, doubly, I don't even know doubly is a word, but I'm going to say it, doubly uh, cynical and doubly depressed. And you see, at some point, we're going to have to realize that, that despite all the things that we can control, there is far more things in our life that we cannot control. People who still work out, they still get heart attacks. People with home security systems, they still get robbed. And the reason I'm pointing out all of this is because in the Bible, when God reached out to Abraham, it's interesting to note that the very first thing he does is strip him of all control. I don't like that. I don't like that. But let's check this out, all right? If you have your Bibles today, let's open them up into Genesis 12, 1, and we're going to read this together, all right? So God tells Abraham, he tells him this, he says, leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. He's saying, leave everything, all of the, every imaginable source of comfort and security, and go to an unknown location, okay? Can you imagine how hard this was? Can you imagine what that would feel like? Like, God tells you, oh, you need to leave all that you know, and you're going to go to this unknown land and go. I, I've been there before. I remember being, being in, in college in Springfield, Missouri, and God said, I want you to move to Binghamton, New York, one of the highest depressed cities in America. It's been flooded out twice in the past 10 years. Uh, it's one of the mo most moved out states, highest obesity rate. The guy that was from Twilight Zone that was born and raised there, and, and so this is where I want you to go. And I'm like, oh, God, why? What? I got everything here. I got my friends here. I got, I got a girlfriend. She, I'm having a good life. You know, I'm spending time with my friend. I'm in Bible school. I'm enjoying this. But God said, no, you're going to leave all forms of comfort and security. I can imagine what Abraham was feeling like in this moment. He was saying, God, what, what am I supposed to look forward to in this kind of plan? What am I supposed to do? And when you read the following chapters, we'll see that, that in almost every single circumstantial thing uh, Abraham could have derived happiness from was stripped away from him. Was stripped away from him. There, there, were, there were famines, there, there was wife kidnapping, there was wars, there was pregnancy problems. And why? Because, because God knew that, that true happiness can only come from God alone. Can only come from God alone. True happiness only comes from God alone. And why? Be, be, because, because, because happiness isn't circum, a circumstantial problem. Rather, it's a spiritual problem. Happiness is not a circumstantial problem. It's a spiritual problem. And God loves us far too much to allow us to continue operating under that delusion that happiness is all about my circumstances. You see, part of the reason why we're meditating on Abraham is because, because we're, we're all waiting for things in our life to come. Oh, once I get that raise. Oh, once we get that new house. Oh, once I lose this weight. Oh, once we have this kid. Oh, once, once I graduate from college. Oh, once it's ba 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 ba. Fill in the blanks, whatever you want. Oh, da 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 ba ba. We all do it, right? We all are waiting for things. All of us find ourselves in uncomfortable situations where, where we don't feel like we're in control. And then, and then to make matters worse, 
When you're painfully waiting for something, your promotion, your health and healing, it always seems like it comes faster to other people, doesn't it? You're praying to get pregnant and you just can't, right? Uh, but yet, Fertile Myrtle is cranking out four babies, right? And, and you're desperate for a job, yet your idiot friend wins a lottery, or, 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 or for me, right, right? I, I was interning at a church, and, and I was trying to get into that creative director position, and I wanted it so badly. Like, like it, it grabbed my heart. Like, it, it, it really just, like, oh, man, I wanted that job so badly. And, and I was like, man, we're going to get this. This is going to help our family. This is going to help me uh, be able to put out the music that I want to do. This is going to help me. Uh, I'm going to get everything that I want, right? And and I thought that this was God's plan A for my life. I was like, I know that this is. I know that this is my plan. I'm destined to be this. And so I was, I was interning for this job at the time. And I was going in. I was basically working the job, but they wouldn't give me the job. I didn't make sense in my head. I was like, why is this happening? It was a little weird there, but we're not going to get that in that today. But, but I was just like, why, God? Why isn't this me? And then, like, they had, like, 12 dudes, not even close to having the capacity that I know I have, uh, come in and interview for that same position, right? Right in front of me. And I'm like, what is going on? I'm the dude. Do you not see me? I'm the guy. Are you stupid? I'm that dude. It even sucked one day. There was one kid that walked in. He goes, hey, where's that intern at? And I was, like, in my chair looking around, and I was like, yo, what? I thought I was getting the job. I was pissed. I was like, yo, suck it. Nah. I wasn't happy, right? It always feels like other people are getting into the promotions, and you're like, I've put in all the work. I've put in all the time. I've put in all the effort. I know that I'm better than this person, but for some reason, why am I not getting that position, right? And sometimes in life, it just doesn't feel fair. And when you compare, you know what happens? You despair. Comparison kills joy. Am I right? Am I right? Am I right? But often, right, often, here's what's going on. Listen closely in this moment because this could change your life. God has a far greater plan for you than the one you think you have right now. Okay? Temporary joys of circumstantial happiness. It's temporary. It's temporary. In these moments, you know what he's trying to do? He's trying to draw us closer into himself. He's trying to work on our character. In many ways, he's simply just taking us on the journey that he took Abraham on. And what is the journey of Abraham? It, it's a season that, that, that where, where God calls us into deeper intimacy with him, into a lifestyle of, of constant faith until circumstantial things simply don't rock us the same way that they did before. Before. Right? This... That story that I told you earlier about me wanting that job, that would have been uh, a, a, few, a few years ago. And, and so I was really in a desert season. I was saying, God, what are you doing? We moved our family out here. We quit a good church to come be a part of this church. Yeah, and and I, I know that you called me out here, but I'm not understanding why you did this to me. What's going on? And, and despite the desert season that I was in, I am now in a place where I thank God. God for that season. I thank God that I didn't get that promotion. I thank God that we didn't move our family out there. I thank God that, that, that he didn't do what he did. Because if I would have been hired at that church that, that I thought that I wanted so badly that I was supposed to be at, right, I would probably be working in a church 
where I would have been captain, not being able to express everything that God designed for me to be. I probably would have, have, have been, been used, chewed up, and spit out like the past five people that got hired there, right? And I would have never seen this movement of vast church be planted. 32 people in the past four weeks would have never received Christ, right? The biggest movement that's going to hit the capital region in America would have never been planted because, because I would have simply wanted it my way, my way, my way. I would have been miserable. I would have been empty. And I would have missed out on the biggest opportunities and callings of my life. But you want to know what's funny about all of this is? Is that none of these things can fulfill me the way that Jesus does. I am so happy that God gave us vast church I am absolutely, I, I'm ecstatic, and I'm thankful for all the crazy opportunities that God is giving our church. You bet that I am thankful. But you know what? During the past probably five, six years that I've been a part of church planting, when I felt totally out of control, those were the moments where I really, really, really got to know the Heavenly Father. That's where I got to know His presence. That's when I got to know Jesus, Jesus and His goodness and His presence. Are you hearing me? Jesus is all that we need. He's all that we need. He's not part of it. He's not just sometimes. He's not just, oh, when it gets hard. Jesus is all that we need. You see, that true happiness doesn't come from control. But it comes from losing all control to the one that is in control. True happiness doesn't come from control. But true happiness comes from the one who is in all control. Happiness isn't circumstantial. It's a living being. Happiness is your heavenly father. Happiness isn't a location or a circumstance. It's a position of submission. I'm going to say that again. Happiness isn't a location or a circumstance, but it is a position of submission. And if you're feeling out of control in some area of your life, the good news is that, that, that God can meet you in a place today. God can meet you right where you're sitting at. Jesus wants to come in and fill that void, fill your depression, fill your anxiety, fill that need or, 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 or that, that, that anxiousness that's inside of you. And he is all that you need and he's going to take care of you because he is a good father. And watch what, what the Bible says about Abraham in Romans 4.18. Says, it says this, it says, against all hope, Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations. Of many nations. So no matter what disasters came Abraham's way, he met those situations with faith. With faith. With faith. And as a result, the Bible says he became a father to many nations. Father to many nations. Wow. I just want that, that to be said about, about you and me. So right now, what, what, what are you hoping for? What, what, what are you waiting for? Are you waiting for, for justice? Are you waiting for, for healing? Are you waiting for, for restitution? What, what, are you, what are you hoping for? What are, you, are you hoping for a job or a spouse or, or, or a child? 
I believe that in this moment, God can come power down into your situation. But I also believe that He wants to deal with first things first in our life. And that is our dependency on Him. Our dependency on Him. We're going to close with, with this verse. If everybody in this room would just have their eyes closed and, and their head down. And let's just focus in on, the, on this verse from Ecclesiastes. The book of Ecclesiastes today. It's in Ecclesiastes 2.26 it says, Father, your word says, to the person who pleases you, you give wisdom, knowledge, and happiness. Lord, we want to make sure that we are pleasing you today. We want to give up control to the one who controls it all in this place today. And if you want to talk about giving up and the joy of giving up control, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, was born for the purpose to die for your sins. Not for His sins, but, but, but for your sins and for my sins. And the Scripture recounts that in the Garden of Gethsemane, hours before His torture, that, that He would begin, uh, uh, and he was, he was just anguishing about His impending death. And it was so stressful that the Bible accounts that He literally was sweating blood. He even called out to the Father and said, Lord, if it is possible, would you please take this cup from me? But he also went on to say, he said, not my will, but yours be done. Giving up control. Why on earth would he, would he, would he endure such pain for you and for me? The Bible says it was for the joy set before him. It brought him joy. What, what is that joy? In this moment, it was the joy of knowing that he was going to spend eternity with you and for the sins of the world to be forgiven. And it is, it is because of, of this moment, it's because of this opportunity that, that for some of you hearing this message, the reality is that, 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 that Christ is not first in your life. And He wouldn't be the most prevalent thing on your heart. It's because of this moment right here. And He wants to be the most important thing in your world. He wants you to not only believe in Him, but, but that you would respond to Him and that you would receive what He did on the cross for you. 2,000 years ago, He paid for your sins everything that you're facing here and now. And the Bible says that anybody that calls out on the name of the Lord will be saved. Anyone. And that means you. And so what do you do? You're just going to have to get super courageous in this place. And you're going to have to be courageous and say, you know what, God? I'm done playing games. I'm done screwing around. You're not first in my life, and I need you to forgive my sins. And today I say yes, and I surrender everything to you. And all across this place today, if that's you, would you boldly lift your hand in the air and you say, you know what? I'm not playing anymore. I want to give my life to God. I'm going all in. Come on, if you're going all in, let's put our hands together for those that are going all in across this place today. Come on, put your hands up. We're going to go and pray. We're going to pray in this moment. Nobody prays alone. If you made that decision today, we are going to pray together, all of us. Let's bow our heads. Let's pray this together. Jesus, Father, I need you. I have sinned. I'm asking you to save me. Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross that I deserved. You paid for my sins, and I received your grace. Jesus, 
I surrender it all. My whole life, my anxieties, my everything to you. Fill me with your Holy Spirit so that I could serve you always. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Come on, can we just make a little noise in this place today? Let's celebrate with all those that are saying yes to Jesus. It, it, it is such a good thing. Come on, we can do better than that. Let's lift it up in this place today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Guys, thank you so much for joining us. I cannot wait to see you next week. I'm going to call up our, our hosts to close out this experience. And uh, hope you have a great week. God bless.